Hello, beautiful listener. Here's the deal. This episode is either going to sound like we're making popcorn next to the microphone, or it's going to sound like we've gone straight hipster and have issued this episode on vinyl. It, once again, is full of snap, crackle and pop, which, if it was a breakfast cereal, would be ideal. But it's not. It's a podcast. And it's one we take huge pride in producing to the highest quality that we can. Sadly, despite having invested a lot of money in state-of-the-art equipment, we've had nothing but problems. So after spending countless hours with people who are experts in this arena and doing our best to troubleshoot the problem, we've contacted the manufacturer of one of the key pieces that make our podcast easy to record and are sending it back. We just wanted to apologize once again for the quality of the recording. It's absolutely not our heart to have it sound like this. If it helps... Pretend you're cooler than everyone else, and if anyone asks why this episode is so crackly, say, yeah, I prefer my podcast on vinyl. Alan and AJ's podcast for your Monday, most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. Mrs. Jones. Mr. Jones. It's been quite the week. It has been quite the week. <laughs> <laughs> it started off fantastically. It, it did. Monday Monday we released a podcast with Henry and Alex Seeley from The Belonging. Yes. That everybody seemed to love. Well, they're pretty lovable peoples. They are, and they shared an amazing story. And they have fantastic accents. That's very, very true. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, we think you'd love it. Go to alanaj.com slash 97. But wait till you finish this one, because this is going to be awesome too. Yes. Well, hang on, hang on. I jumped ahead because Sunday night we went to the airport and picked up our friend Dan Farrelly from Bethel Church in Redding, California. Yes, we did. How awesome is Dan? Dan is on a scale of one to awesome, far past awesomeness. You know, we, we've we worked hard to try and get him on the show, but when we fly him in, we jam him pack at the school. Yes. So we need to work out a different schedule because the world needs to hear more Dan Farrell. And he said he's open to it. So maybe maybe it'll work out next time. If you haven't heard his teaching on brave communication, I'll put a link in the show notes and you can go grab it from Bethel's website. It is, it is absolutely excellent. It is. It's fantastic. He's one of my favorite people to listen to. And he's done an incredible job of just being himself. And in listening to his wisdom and his revelation, it has tempered a lot of the teaching that I do. Yeah, and he's also great at sort of demystifying scripture and just making loving the word a normal thing. Right. Rather than like something just the zealots do. So, Dan Farley, two giant thumbs up. Yes. Well, that was Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, we began to fall like flies. Yes. Uh, The family started dropping like flies. Well, in fairness, I dropped like two weeks ago. Right. And then Tia dropped last weekend. Okay. But you're on antibiotics, Tia's on antibiotics, and then Micah John at 10 p.m. woke up. On Wednesday night. Not feeling very well. I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to gross people out, but it was his... There was lots of vomit. It was his first time ever being sick, which he (laughs) called, I'm choking. I choke. Mommy, I choke. And what we didn't realize was that that was going to be going on through the night. Yeah. We ran out of bed linen. I ran the laundry three times, four times? Four times. Between the hours of 10 p.m. and 3.30 a.m. Yes. We have like six bed sheets for the crib. We used all of them mm-hmm. before we moved them into our bed. Yes. Yes. And I chose to sleep on the floor. Yes. But at least I got sleep at 3.30. I you called did. it a night, went yeah. to sleep, woke up at 6.30. <laughs> you just stayed awake through the night. Well, because he just would snuggle into my neck and hold onto my arm, which was adorable. And he'd be like, mommy, I don't feel good. And then he vomited on me. 
Yeah. Yeah. I changed four times as well. <laughs> so sleeping on the floor with no vomit or sleeping in bed with vomit, I think I won out pretty well. Yeah, I think he definitely won. So we took him to the doctor on Thursday. Turns out he got hit with two things, strep throat, which Tia had. Right. And then also this 12-hour tummy bug. Yeah, poor baby. And the daughter was like, what time did he start at? And I was like, 10 p.m. She's like, oh, and he's good. And true to her word, he yep. was. He didn't, didn't throw, throw up again, again after 10 a.m. So that was good. And the, But then the poor little muggies, he had to get a shot in the bum. He did. We couldn't give him antibiotics via his mouth because the daughter was like, he'll just throw up again. So we held him down and they stuck treacle into his butt. It took forever. It took forever and he was so sad. And he didn't talk to me for like two hours after that. How I became the bad guy, I have no idea. You were the one that was holding him. I know, but while I was holding him, I whispered in his ear and said, is this mummy's fault? <laughs> you are a horrible individual. And then it gets better because on Friday, when we got up to start the day, poor Abigail yeah. looked about as pale and waif-like as you could imagine. I honestly thought we could have blown on her and she would have fallen over. So She looks so sad. Took her to the doctor and she has what you had. She had the sinus infection. So everybody's on antibiotics. Yes. And on probiotics to counter the antibiotics. And then Friday night you went camping. I did. Help me understand, as I'm sure everyone knows, I don't get the appeal of camping, but tell me and I'll try and remain as open-minded as possible. The appeal of camping? Yeah, well, I don't. The appeal of leaving a perfectly good house that's warm and has like running water and electricity and Wi-Fi where you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and going to sleep on the ground under a nylon shell when it's below freezing. Well, okay, so... Sleeping on the ground under the nylon shell wasn't my favorite part. But isn't that like a core component of camping? Well, first of all, I slept on a mattress. Ooh, upgrade. Yes. Well, like a six inch mattress. That's... I mean, I was I was not, I could not feel the floor at all. Pillow top, I assume? Yes, absolutely. Um, but it was definitely cold. I think the appeal is getting away. Like I, I realized when I got out to the state park that I had absolutely no signal whatsoever. Uh, thank you, T-Mobile. Uh, plenty of other people did have signal. I just didn't. Um, but then when I realized that, I thought, well, that's actually what I'm doing is sort of unplugging and just enjoying the people that you're with. So right. that's the appeal. The appeal is just enjoying people that you're with without all of the frivolities of normal life. But don't you think the frivolities of normal life add to the enjoyment of people? Well, I think it's easy to just hide in your home and not actually have any kind of relationship with people at all because you have all of the frivolities. So you just shiver together and grow a special bond. Well, we made a big bonfire and we all sat around it and then we rotated who got to sit close to the fire and who had to be slightly farther away. Um, and uh, and Strange it's individuals. The, it's the challenge and fun of making camp food, but it's still being yummy and uh, bonding over having not slept the night before, although plenty of people slept fine, but they're all the kind of people that can like, just, uh, most of them would say things like, well, I just buried my face in my sleeping bag or I went fully into my sleeping bag. I can't, if I can't breathe normal air, uh, you know, I can't do it. I can't snuggle up to you at night because I'm quote unquote breathing your air. You can spoon. You just can't go face to face. I can't spoon with you. Yeah. You're like, it's your heart. Move off. I can hear your breathing. Well, there's just some people don't like to be touched when they're asleep. And I'm <laughs> one of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cracked me up. So, but it was good. And I got to wake up uh, to a babbling brook that was right next door to me at 6 a.m. Well, the birdies were... I actually asked the Lord to murder birds. 
I was like, no, I'm not ready. Send angels to murder those birds. Oh, but it didn't happen. Okay. Well, no you haven't murdering. redeemed it for me whatsoever. It well, all sounds horrible. I got to have really great conversations and meet a whole bunch of people I didn't know. Oh, so that was good. That sounds glorious. Horrible. All right. <laughs> Saturday, our friend David Campbell, who's in this week teaching on the school, he flew in. Friday. It was a Friday? Yeah. He flew in Friday because I was you away camping. camping. That's right. And I went and picked him up and yeah. we did dinner together. Yeah. So our friend David is here. David is an amazing leader from England. He's Scottish though. Yes, he's definitely Scottish. Ugh, aye. He's, he's a missionary <laughs> to England. Anyway, he's over here for a week. Land of the brave. Please stop. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, that's just so great to see him. He did a tremendous job speaking at Grayson on Sunday morning. We loved that. It was very good. It was very humorous too. So it sounds like a bad week, but I'm glad it's over and it wasn't that bad. I'm glad that MJ was the only one that got the vomiting thing. Yep. That Grace could have God. been horrific. Yeah. All right. Let's stop talking about vomit and let's okay. talk about our main topic for this week. What is our main topic for this week? We're going to be talking about the B-I-B-L-E. B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. B-I-B-L-E. Pretty good for somebody who didn't grow up in church, huh? Uh, <laughs> somebody who didn't grow up in church. Yes. Tell me this. You obviously love the word of God. I love the word of when God. When we were designing second year, the second year of School of Supernatural Life, you were super excited about not only teaching about the Word of God, but teaching the Word of God itself. Yes. And you have this year taught verse by verse through the Song of Songs. Yes. The book of Ephesians, mm -hmm. the book of Romans, mm -hmm. and most recently the book of Esther. Yes. Tell me how you grew to love the Word of God. Um, I think it is hard to be close to the Holy Spirit and not love the Word of God. I think, I'm just thinking like I... When I first got saved, which was when I was 15, um, I was in a Baptist church. And so, and they're pretty hardcore word people, those right. Baptists. And so I started reading and memorizing because that's what you do. Um, but when the renewal started in Toronto and the Holy Spirit started showing up, I just found uh, myself getting hungrier and hungrier and hungrier for the word. Okay. So I don't, know that I can give you a method other than draw close to God and let him build that hunger in you. Like tell God, I want to hunger for your word. You know, some people I think have had the word sort of rammed down their throats or like you're supposed to, you must love, right? you know, you should. And uh, luckily I don't think anybody ever should it on me. I think it was just, uh, I wanted to understand it and I knew like, cause I didn't grow up hearing the Bible. I, I, it was all new to me. So it was interesting. Right. But was this from immediately when you got saved or once renewal started? Once renewal started, I got way more into it. I liked the challenge when I first got saved of memorizing scripture. Cause it was something that was easy for me to do and right. I could win contests at church and stuff. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm actually quite thankful for that. Cause a lot of the stuff I had to memorize, I still, I have that. Like I've still retained right. that. Um, but I would say I really got much more hungry and really started enjoying the word uh, after the revival started in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Who was instrumental in teaching you the word? Um, probably a bunch of different people. Like um, I, I loved when I heard people like John uh, Arnett, of course, talk or uh, Mark DuPont, people like that that they obviously really loved the word. And that to me was 
super inspiring. And then later when I met like Patricia King and um, people that know the word backwards and forwards, like they could, they don't need a Bible in front of them to tell you what the verse before the verse that was just quoted said, you know, that kind of stuff. I was like, I didn't know you could know the Bible like that. And it's obviously life to you. So I, I want that. I actually invented a traveling Bible game at one point. Oh, wait, do tell. Because <laughs> I've seen well, your traveling games. Well, no, um, because, you know, when you'd go on road trips with people and I would take people that we were, that I was mentoring on the road, you know, to different things and you'd be driving for six hours. And so I invented a game called Link. And in Link, somebody starts with one verse and they just say the verse. So they would say, you know, whatever, Romans 8 verse 28 for we know that God causes all things to come together for good for those who love God and call according to his purpose. So you'd go, okay. And then the person who was next to them would have to pick another verse. Uh, and they'd only have like a one minute window to find it, uh, that naturally linked with the theme of the previous verse. And if you had to explain why you were linking the two, then it was a fail. Like you, it wasn't like you didn't, you didn't actually link it. Are you and, telling me that this game takes, um, a minute each round. Well, a minute you had a minute to find the verse if you didn't know where it was. And what does everybody do in the meantime while that person's finding it? I mean, a minute. I've already lost interest in this game. Well, people were. I think a lot of people were trying to prep possible verses that they could have come up with so that they could link their thing. But like at one point, a friend of mine, Mark, and I uh, were doing this road trip, and he and I were playing the game, and we must have played it for like five and a half hours while driving. Just back and forth. Did Nintendo ever come knocking to Uh, license this game? (laughs) No, sadly. But but we had fun. But they did use the name Link in the Zelda series. Yeah, that's where they got it from. That's my Link right there. There you go. (laughs) Talk to me about, and we're not arguing here because we tease each other, but talk talk to me about your go-to translations. My go-to translations um, are... The NASB and the message. I have a parallel Bible that has them both next door to each other. It's possibly the biggest Bible I've ever seen. It's enormous. I'm not going to lie. It came with, so you brought the Bible and it came with the NASB on one side, the message on the other, Uh and two years worth of free chiropractic adjustments. (laughs) It should have. It should have. It works great as a pillow though, because you know, you don't really scrunch your shoulder when you lie down on it. Um, it's no, about it's, the size of the yellow pages. It's it's enormous, um, but I love it. It's re, it's a great uh, it's a great Bible. I started reading the NSB when I got saved, and right. then um, when the renewal started, um, of course, I was in a different church because I had moved to the uh, Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, and um, I remember going up to John and to Mark and saying, "What version do you read?" And they both read the NSB which is what I was already reading. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll stay with that. It's obviously I'll superior. Um, and uh, it's nice to read something that's familiar. You know, you tend yeah. to like what you started with. Then how the heck did you end up with a message? Um, that was totally the Lord. There was passages of scripture that I just didn't enjoy, like the Song of Solomon. Um, and when I started reading it in the message, I was like, oh, I feel like for the first time I'm understanding something here. I'm getting why people like certain books. And I thought they're about as opposite as you can get, you know, the NASB and the message. And so to read the same verse right beside each other, actually there's a whole lot of discussion I could have with the Holy spirit about, huh, what's actually going on here. So it really helped in that department. 
That makes sense. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about my new foray into old habits. Into the land of paper? Yeah, I bought a paper notepad the other week. Yes. And in part because I've long been aware of the link, the physiological link between writing things down and spatial awareness. Yes. And I've tried to keep my whole life as digital as possible. And I have a fairly good system, except I'm realizing I'm forgetting things. And who knows whether it's age or diet or I don't know, whatever. Right. Right. But I thought I want a way to capture stuff in analog with a pen that I will then file away digitally for long-term storage because the advantages of digital are too good to give up. But I realized that a lot of the time I will digitally enter something and then haven't a clue where I put it. And it'll take me forever while I'm searching Evernote or did I put it in notes or did I put it in my to-do match? So I thought, what if I just capture everything on paper and then file away the stuff I want to keep? Because some stuff is just I'm using paper for temporary access. Right. Like I need to write down something the number that of has to be done today, and it doesn't need to exactly. be exactly. Yeah. But when Dan was here uh, Monday night, he spoke at Emine, and he really challenged me about reading the Bible. Of course, I read the Bible a lot, but in the same way that I've tried to eradicate paper from my life, I haven't owned a paper Bible probably in about ten years. Well, I mean, I've been married to you for eleven, and I've never seen you with one. And the reason for that is. I kept losing them or they'd get stolen. Yeah. (laughs) And I'd spend a long time marking up my Bible. I have a partial photographic memory in that when I would read the Bible, I would know the verse I was looking for because it was in the bottom left-hand corner of that thing in Isaiah. And I'd remember maybe the rough chapter, but not necessarily the verse, but photographically I'd remember where it was. Right. Which you don't have when you do everything on a computer. Right. And I love Bible study on a computer. I'm frequently in many, many different translations and parallels and I've got Greek and Hebrew lexicons open and this and so I just love I love all that stuff but I have missed quite sincerely just picking up my Bible and reading it because reading off of glass for whatever reason I'm not enjoying and I actually miss holding a Bible in one hand and the feel of the paper. That's what I've been interceding for for 11 years. It is strange though that I am turning the tide. Yes. But that's presented a host of new problems. Oh. Because for the life of me, I cannot find a Bible I like. Oh, no. Please, before everybody texts me or emails me or tweets me, here's a Bible you'd like. Let me give you some clarification. So I went to, what's the big Bible store in Lifeway? Lifeway. Mm -hmm. And couldn't find a Bible I wanted. Out of all of their Bibles. Out of all of their Bibles. I found lots of things I liked, but none didn't have any of the criteria. So it would seem based on my cursory inspection of the current state of Bibles, that publishers spend more time, more money, more market research in the covers of the Bible than the actual design of the typographic layout of the Bible. Right. Because the Bible's got to be the only book that we read that is constantly cluttered with unnecessary information. So, for example, when was the last time you read a book that is in two columns on one page? But on either side of the columns, there are tiny little numbers and cross-references and points, and you're just like, oh, that is so visually distracting. Okay. <laughs> then the choice of font that they're using yeah. is tiny. Like, you can't read 8.75 font size, especially when it's written on tissue paper where you can see the other side of the 8.75 <laughs> font. It's, like, terrible. But if they don't write it on that, then it's going to be twice as big. 
split it into volumes. It did that with Harry Potter and everyone but didn't seem to care. But nobody wants a two-volume Bible. Which this, volume should I bring with me to church? No, I don't need it to, to bring to church. I just need it at home so I can read. Okay. You know, it is already in two volumes or 66 books. Like, either way. Okay. You could have an Old Testament and a New Testament. Yeah. Or books of poetry. Mm-hmm. or So, there's ways around this. And then, so even if they have that all right, like the typography, like let's boost the font size. So I realize, again, maybe I'm getting old, but I now need large print, not giant print. Giant print is, you can read it from the other side of the room. Right. But, but large print is what I would call normal print. Oh. Then the leading, which is the space between the lines, is all wrong. So I'm just like, seriously, it must have killed the graphic designers who laid this stuff out because it's everything against good practice. It's it's possible that they're maybe not as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, discerning or picky uh, as you are. <laughs> well, I tell you who's killing it right now. Who's killing it? Crossway, who are doing all the ESV books. Crossway, that's what my uh, journaling Bible is. In. But I don't like the ESV to read for fun. I've got nothing against ESV. I use it often when I'm studying, but yes. it's not what I want to read. I'd prefer to read the New Living Translation. So what I'm looking for is a New Living Translation that I'm fine with chapter headings. Uh I'm even fine with chapter numbers, but I don't need verses in it. And I want single column, like one block of text per page. I want it on nicer paper than tissue paper. (laughs) I want an appropriate font size. Uh You may have to print this yourself. I don't want it fully justified (laughs) because it's not a newspaper. And yeah, I did think about typesetting it myself. Uh, yeah, in all your spare time. In all my spare I'm time. I'm sure it's a small job. It's not a very large book. But the Crossway have got this ESV Reader's Edition. It's in a beautiful, beautiful book. Yeah. I, I mean, it's gorgeous, but I don't want to read the ESV. I'd, I'd settle for an NIV. I don't mind reading the NIV, but I really want to read the New Living Translation. Right. So I'm on a hunt for a new Bible. Oh, but and I, I thought you said you found one. Well, I found one that meets some of my criteria, but not all of my criteria. It's single column, but they're still marking the verses. Mm-hmm, down the left-hand side. And it's set in something like nine-point font. Shocking behavior. And I haven't seen it in the flesh. But nevertheless, I want a Bible to read. Yeah. I've got tons of Bibles to and study. And do you want it like made from the hide of baby goats that have been smoothed in coconut butter and led beside a river for 18 months while they I, gazed at... I mean, whoa. I feel like you're mocking me. Maybe. I, I don't feel like it's too much to ask the most important book in the world to have some proper typographic treatment. Okay. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like you could pick up any some, other book some and it will... read it for the actual words. Yes, but my point is... You don't want to be distracted while doing that. Okay. I I think that is very interesting and possibly unique to your personality. I've never no. been distracted by the like the number references or anything. I don't look at them and go, I'm so distracted. You know, that's that's not true though. Oh. Because when you were preparing all your teaching material, yeah. your problem of copying and pasting was all the little verse numbers and you wanted a way to be able to access it without those verse numbers. No, that's not what I was removing. I wasn't removing verse numbers. I was removing the little tiny ones and twos that the A B C Yeah, that reference all the which side is a, things. Which is a visual distraction for your students, correct? I agree, but those don't appear in my Bible. Oh, in the the Bible copy you yeah. have? Right. They did in this one. I was just like, people, please. Yes. I know before anybody texts me, I know there was a Kickstarter to do a reader's version of the Bible that's split in multiple volumes with a lot of the 
comments I've made addressed. Unfortunately, it's set in ASV, which which is would remove any joy from reading because oh. now I need an English literature degree to understand what you <laughs> said. <laughs> oh, All right. Well, well, we can pray, baby. Maybe, I'm confident that know. there's one out there and I just haven't discovered it. Yeah. But anyway, I'm back in the paper and I'm really looking forward to reading the Bible. Good. In a book. I, I honestly, I love reading it on paper. I don't enjoy reading it. I enjoy researching uh, with my computer. I don't enjoy reading it on my computer. I've collected over the years a list of snippets about the Bible. Uh-huh. Derek Prince, who's one of the finest teachers, Bible teachers that ever lived. Mm-hmm. He said this, the Bible is the only book that while you read it, it reads you. Yeah, that's awesome. And when Dan was here on Monday, he's, uh, he made a couple of great points I wrote down. He said, the Bible is the only book we can read and the author will sit next to us. Yes. And we have access to the author. We can just ask him. So Yeah, that's the whole deal. Like, I'm, I mean, I think that's what I started to understand when I got to know the Holy Spirit is I could ask him questions as I was reading and be like, I, I mean, honestly, I probably at this point hundreds of times where I would go, Holy Spirit, why does this matter? Or what's going on here? And he would tell me something about the history of the time that I did not know, that I had no way of knowing. And I would go back and look it up. And it was true, you know, of course, because the Holy Spirit knows. But I mean, he wants to fill in the blanks for us and to make it a less frustrating experience because there's life on the word and there's supposed to be life on the word. So I loved it when he was talking about that. Like the author is sitting with you. Because I'm like, yes, no wonder. If people don't know that, no wonder they don't enjoy reading it. Right. How about this? Uh, he said, good preaching points out bad thinking. Yeah. Um, George Bernard Shaw said this about reading the Bible. Ties these two things together. He says, no man ever believes that the Bible means what it says. He is always convinced that it says what he means. Uh-huh. But that's what I love about reading the Bible is, Every day when you read the Bible, there's a challenge to your way of thinking. Yeah. And I think a lot of the error that we see, shock, exclusive, is because people have stopped either reading the Bible or reading the Bible to prove what they think. Yeah. Or they've thrown out large portions of it because they don't like it or they don't understand it. And so they're coming up with their own gospel message. Dan said something that I thought I'd ask you to elaborate on. I really loved what he said. And I think this is part of the reason I want to get a Bible in paper, is he said, read, these were his top tips for learning to read the Bible and enjoy. First of all, read out loud. Second of all, read with a pen. And he said, then when you're reading, he said, mark up your Bible liberally. And I want to talk to you about the way you mark up your Bible because shock, exclusive, you have a plan. Mm -hmm. He also said, keep a pad with you and write down three headings, God, me, and do. And he said, as you're reading, if you learn something about God, put it in the God column. If you learn something about you, put it in the me column. And if you read something that says you're supposed to do something, write it down. Right. And then he added a fourth column. He said, if you're reading an Old Testament, write down them. He said, because you've got to read the Old Testament in the light of Jesus being here. But I was like, that's a great yeah, it's amazing. little, because normally when I go to study the Bible, I'm going intent, already knowing what I'm looking for. But I love the idea of accidentally discovering stuff as you're reading scripture. Mm-hmm. That just as part of your daily devotion of reading, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through those Three or four different things. So let's talk about markup, because if anyone looks at your Bible, it's covered in ink and you have a plan. Talk to me about your plan, where you got it from. Um, It's funny because Dan sort of said, you know, at one point, he's like, oh, I used to do multicolors and, you know, that he doesn't do that anymore. For for me, it, it really fits with my personality type and, and how my brain works. Um, 
but I ended up, the first thing that I did in terms of color was um, when I first started getting the revelation of the Father Heart of God, I, I read through the Bible from, you know, start to finish. And um, I I underlined in blue any place where it was talking about the love of God or the Father so, Heart of God. So blue is the love of God. Yeah. And it still is, even in the new, in my new Bible, because um, my older one just got so, I had one that got stolen. <laughs> And then um, the next one, yeah, it just got so marked up that I was like, it's time to get a new one, which is why I got the parallel. Right. So in the parallel, um, yeah, the love of God um, or the Father Heart of God message is all in blue. Anything that has to do with healing or deliverance is underlined in green. And then beside it, I would write either an H or a D. Um, <laughs> anything that's a promise of God is underlined in red. Um, I have anything about intimacy is underlined in pink. Um, I'm trying to think. I have things for all the kind of different um, colors. Uh, anything that's just really super important, like, wow, this is pivotal for what's going on in this chapter. Uh, I've underlined in orange. Do you ever underline anything in black? Uh, I do. I don't underline in black usually. I write notes in the margin in black. So um, I'll tag it with my little um, promises are a P and then prophetic words that we've seen fulfilled are a P with a circle around it. Oh my gosh. I know. Have Um, you written down this legend anywhere? Yeah, it's written in the back of my Bible. So how often do you have to consult it or is that just for... I don't have to look at it anymore. Okay. Um, But then I will, in black, I'll write in in the margins if there's something particular like sometimes the lord will give me like a little expression or a little rhyming something that goes with what he's just shown me so i'll just write that in the margin beside unbelievable so unbelievable so it's pretty marked up but but um it's organized marked up so i can open to a book and i can you know look just by the colors know roughly what it's all talking about all right well we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear what version of the bible you love reading We'd love to hear any books that you've read that has really changed the way you read the Bible. One of the books that we study in second year on the School of Supernatural Life is Grasping God's Word, which I've really enjoyed yeah, going through. Amazing. Really enjoyed teaching. Uh, there's uh, some other great books, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and somebody else. I'll put links to that in the show notes. But uh, if you didn't catch Emanate Monday Night, I'd really encourage you to go listen to Dan Farley teach on reading the Bible. He summarized by saying that the Bible is food. The Bible keeps us from error and the Bible keeps us in faith. It's super easy to listen to. Again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Babe, are you ready for one of the greatest listeners questions I've ever received? Yes. Here we go. This is from Anonymous. Hello, Anonymous. And he or she says this, Many times I've heard you give this fabulous advice. Find leaders you love and submit to them. As you expound on that, it's clear that your leaders work to create clear culture and expectations. Have you on their grid, invest in you, spend time and effort and advice on you. I'm sure you're aware many leaders do not operate that way. I am at a small church where I believe I'm called to serve and lead for the duration. I love my pastor and submit to him, but he is too busy keeping things afloat to create the culture you describe. I tend to get very frustrated and discouraged when I hear you talk about the way you are led because I don't and probably won't get those things from my pastor. I do what I can to lead in a way I long to be led, but it is difficult. Should I pursue him and try to pull leadership out of him? Should I make him 
make time for me? Or should I find accountability, encouragement, and vision elsewhere? What advice do you have for lay leaders operating and remaining in less vibrant organizational cultures? Oh, I love that question. Wow. Well, it sounds like you're doing a lot of stuff right in terms of you know that for right now, that's where God has you and you're choosing to serve uh, there and just, you know, be in the game, which is awesome. I have also served under leaders um, for seasons of a couple of years at a time that really didn't create any kind of uh, the cultures that we value at this point or, you know, that 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 would have been conducive or uh, to, to building us in leadership, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and during those seasons, because again, I knew that the Lord had asked me to be in that particular spot. I was just like, God, I'm just going to trust you that this works out well. And um, that you're doing something in me and you're doing something in, in those that I'm serving. Um, but we have been blessed to be under amazing leaders for the majority of the time. And, be in a culture where, um, yeah, where the things that we value are very prevalent. So, um, advice that I would give, uh, it it seems like from your question that, you know, you're where you're supposed to be at the moment. So I think it's, it's hard to, um, give advice without knowing the players, but, but part of me would say, is there room to talk to the leader that you're serving and just sort of say, um, Hey, this is how I'm experiencing being here. I, I want to be here. I feel like God has me here. Um, but I, I'd love to know how you're experiencing me. And I'd love to know if there's some way to, you know, be, be trained more, be poured into more. Right. And I, I can relate to that because like AJ, I've worked under less than stellar leaders. And yet the response that we need to give our leaders is the same, whether they're good or bad leaders. Right. And that's to honor them, make them look good, get underneath and push up. Because whatever you sow into this leader, you'll not only reap when you're a leader, but you'll also reap in your next leaders. Right. And it is especially in some churches where, I mean, we're so blessed. We've got an enormous, relatively speaking, pastoral team. So not everybody's as stretch as they might be if there was a whole lot less of us. But even still, I think, I'm not putting this on you. I think as a general rule of a human race, we teach others how we want to be treated. So AJ and I, with all our leaders, have been very intentional and with high degrees of honor in seeking out what we want from our leaders especially in leaders that don't necessarily think like we do. We learn how do they think, how can we, in the midst of running with them and serving them, also inquire of them and get the things that we need. And one of the things that we've taught in the past is how do you interact with leaders? Because leaders tend to think differently from the people who are leading because they've got way more things to think about than just you know, often when we are feeling frustrated by our leaders, we're looking at what they're doing and thinking, well, here's a much better way of doing it, but we don't have all the facts. Right. So I, one of the things that we've practiced for a long time is being really relational and really direct with a small d. I don't mean direct, assertive. I mean, direct, clear and saying, hey, here's something that would really be able to help me. Uh, is that something that you can do right now? And if it is, fantastic. And if it isn't, it isn't. And with all our leaders, we've 
we've done that. Like I remember when I traveled with John and Carol, who are amazing leaders in and of themselves. But I remember people who watched me as I interned with them said, oh my gosh, you just draw so much out with them because I would ask questions all of the time. Now, I would try and realize, I'd try and be aware, like when is a good time to ask questions? They look drained and exhausted. Let's not do that. Let's write that question down and ask it another time. But I would draw out the information that you'd want. We have a friend who used to intern with Heidi Baker and she realized Heidi has no time to herself at all. But she would realize when she slept on the base that Heidi would get up very, very early in the morning. She would get in a Jeep. She would drive somewhere where she didn't know. And so our friend just decided, I'm going to get up earlier than Heidi and I'm going to ask if I can come with her. You know, she positioned herself in in the leader's flow to draw stuff out. Even with Jeff and Becky, we would sit down and we would just say, hey, here's one of the things we would love. Are you able to give it? So we're big fans of being... Clearly communicating. Yeah, we're big fans of, first of all, just sowing where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Second of all, just honoring your leaders no matter what shape they're in. Because no matter the degree of the leader, that shouldn't influence the degree that you're a follower. So, you know, purpose that in your heart. And then third of all, just speak really, really clearly in requests, in humble requests. And it may be that this person doesn't have that bandwidth, and that's fine. God is so good at making up the lack that we feel because he's our ultimate leader. So I I hope that helps. I'm sorry that we've maybe frustrated you by talking about how awesome our leaders are, Uh, but we've helped cultivate what we want. You know, leaders don't meet everybody's expectations. No. So one of the things you can do is either adjust your expectations or help them meet your expectations. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, and it doesn't sound like you are, but just watch your heart that you don't get bitter. Um, You know, with what you wish it looked like um, and just trust the Lord to, to bring it about however he's going to bring about because he does care about the desires of your heart as well. All right. I hope that helps. If you have a question you'd like to ask us, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. If you would like the show notes for this episode, go to alanandaj.com slash 98 to find links to everything we've talked about this week. And lastly, our good friend and friend of the show, Blake Strand is starting a new podcast soon I think you guys are going to love. Blake is a great friend of ours. He actually encouraged us to get into podcasting. And I had the privilege of being interviewed by him a couple of years ago. And he asked me the question, amongst others, does God want you to be rich? If the answer to that question is of interest to you, head over to blakestratton.com. As usual, I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can hear me and Blake talk about the question, does God want you to be rich? Oh, and I almost forgot, babe. We got shipments of your book in. We've been waiting for them. Our publisher dropped off a massive pallet of AJ's books. If you've been trying to get a hold of one of AJ's books, they're back in stock. And if you haven't had a look at it yet, we are giving away the first chapter free. Just go to alanandaj.com, click on the store button, and it'll take you straight to the book where you can buy a copy or you can read the first chapter for free. Okay, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day, from Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me, Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences, keeping up with the Joneses.
Jesus, keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.